And welcome to Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is the conference championship betting preview episode. As always, I am your host, Nate. Michael is not here today. He's got a bit of a stomach bug issue, but he will be back for the Super Bowl podcast. Um, so that'll be a good one to check out. It's just me today. We're definitely going to break down the games. But first, we're starting with the coaching carousel because we've had some big time coaching news. First, obviously, Jim Harbaugh is now the coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, in which is going to be a very interesting situation to watch because all indications feel like this should be a success. If you're a Los Angeles Chargers fan, I know there's like 500 of you outside of San Diego. Um, th there's a reason to be super optimistic if you are an LA Chargers fan because this is a man, his last stop in the NFL, inherited a team that was on an eight-season losing streak. And then in his first year, went, what, 13-3? and three? Conference championship appearance? And then proceeded to go 11-5, 12-4, exceeding win total expectations three years straight. Got to a Super Bowl. Was a power outage away from potentially winning that Super Bowl. Um, that definitely changed the dynamics of that one. But, like, a man who's had success in the NFL, went back to college, had fantastic success there, built back his alma mater, won a national championship, three years in a row conference championship, beat your rival in the vaunted team in Ohio State. Like, this is a fantastic hire, I think, and a lot of optimism here. It's the most coveted job this hiring season, I think, without a doubt, because you have an established quarterback. You have an established left tackle, which is huge for your offensive line and your quarterback growth. You have some pieces that are nice on the roster. You're in a bit of a cap space disaster, but there are some things and maneuvers you can do to help ease that a little bit here. And you are succeeding control to hardball here. Like this is going to be the hardball show because hardball had all the chips for himself because he didn't need to take this job. He had everything he wanted at Michigan. They were willing to meet him on virtually everything. They were going to give him the immunity clause. They were throwing money at him. Like he is their golden boy. They wanted him to stay, but he's got a chance to go back to the NFL, do things his way because you don't have a GM. He's obviously going to be a part of that hiring process. So to make sure that he is on the same page with the GM, he's essentially going to be hiring his GM, which is going to be reversed from what it typically is in which you normally get a GM. And then you get a head coach. He hires a coach that's going to be on the same page as him. They're reversing it. And that could potentially work. As long as he allows that GM to have influence, it can't all be him. We often see when head coaches try to be both GM and head coach, it it goes bad. You know, they're big jobs. You need help. Um, you can't do both at a, an elite level. Just doesn't happen. But he's going to get a guy to help with the talent acquisition part of that, make sure they're on the same page. I think there's a huge reason to be optimistic here. I, I really like the hire. I think it was going to be him or Bill Belichick because that's an ownership group that does not have problems giving a head coach a lot of control. Like that's not a meddling ownership group, unlike David Tepper or other guys in the NFL. We'll get to Carolina here in a minute. Um, so I think that's a great hire for them at the end of the day. You get... Atlanta hiring Raheem Morris in the most all-time Atlanta's got no idea what they're doing move. And that's not because I think Raheem Morris is a bad coach or is going to fail, but it's because they had him in the building. Like, what, three years ago? He was their interim coach, and then they let him walk. And three years later, you're hiring back to be the head coach? Like, what are we doing? Um, I like Raheem Morris. I, I liked him when he was on the books. I just thought he was a little too green, and it was just an opportunity that was a little too soon for him in his coaching career. He has since gone on, and I think he does a really good job on the defense side of the ball. He did a phenomenal job this year. Like, this is a defense that had no business being a middle-of-the-pack defense. They should have been a bottom-three defense, and he turned them into something 
competitive and solid. Now, they certainly had holes, but that's because that's a roster that was lacking some talent on the defense side of the ball. He's had an opportunity to be mentored by Sean McVay and really learn how those intricate offenses work. He's had to go against guys like Kyle Shanahan in a really vaunted side of of, of football. Like, it, it's there are reasons to be optimistic about him. Atlanta's a tough job because you got to go get a quarterback, but there is talent on that roster, especially on the defensive side and the offensive side. It's like, if you can get the quarterback situation figured out and you were a coach that is not going to meddle too much in the offensive side of the ball. Like he's certainly gonna have his fingerprints on it, but as long as you can hire a good OC and you allow them to sort of do their thing and you have faith in that and, and you kind of look at big picture and defense, I think this could be a fantastic hire. Like who knows if it will work out, but I think there's reasons to be optimistic there. Um, So yeah, it's just, it's all time Falcons though, that, that organization from an executive level up just has no idea what they're doing at all times. <laughs> um, Panthers. They got my man, Dave Canales. Um, he's off from the bucks. Appreciate your service this year, my man. Um, it's an interesting hire because who is Dave Canales going to be when he can be his own man? I think is the question, you know, is it late season Dave Canales, which I think there's reason to believe that's what you're going to be getting. You know, Todd Bowles is a very conservative head coach. I, I've got my issues. We've well-documented on that part. The game has certainly, I think, passed him by. And he certainly influenced that offense. It was sort of in his image of what he wanted an offense to look like. And it didn't really jive with the strong suits of what that offense could be, I didn't think. I think the reason you're optimistic here, though, is because you saw late in the season, especially the two playoff games, and towards the back end, when Dave Canales was starting to probably sniff, and then he was getting opportunities to, to interview all right, I got to really kind of make this offense my own a little bit here. I got to throw some some twists in here and some surprises. And I think we saw an offense that was much more tailored to its strengths in trying to hide some of its weaknesses towards the back end, you know, more outside runs, being more aggressive in early down passing attempts, trying to push the ball down the field more. Like th- these were things that we started to see a lot more. Um, and I, I think that is a sign that he is going to be different in his mindset from an offensive standpoint when he can be his own man. The problem is this is the toughest job I think right now in the NFL. Like this situation is really bad and it's going to be really hard to succeed there. Even if you are a fantastic head coach, because you're saddled with a quarterback that I think there's a lot of reasonable doubt, even going into this, into his draft. I didn't really see it, but I, you know, there were things where you're like, all right, if it, he's got great anticipation skills, if you can really lean into that and somehow, you know, do a very similar thing to what we saw with Drew Brees. And because Drew Brees was one of the best at anticipating and winning at the line of scrimmage, like maybe Bryce Young can be that and he can be a suitable, serviceable quarterback in the NFL. But his ceiling was going to be capped due to physical limitations. And it just is what it is. He's definitely performed, underperformed at this point. That's a hard situation. You have a talent that lacks a lot you have a roster that lacks a lot of talent at this standpoint. Um, So that's going to be a really, really difficult job. Um, I wish them all the best. You know, I'm going to be very interested to see what my bucks do. We'll talk about them a little bit more in the off season. Um, I'll also talk about the hardball Michigan effect in the college episode. So if you're a big college football fan, I got some great, fantastic offseason content heading your way. We're going to do something different this season. We're going to break down some, 
some teams before our normal conference breakdowns we do. We're going to do a lot more in depth, a lot more kind of slowly, but it's going to be fantastic. Like I'm, I'm excited for what we're going to bring this off season or what I'm going to bring you, I should say this off season. So make sure you stay subscribed, check out our YouTube channel at trophy kids podcast for that. Um, TikTok at trophy kids pod. You'll, you'll get some snippets there. Um, but very excited for what I'm developing for this off season of college football, but this is the NFL podcast folks. And we got some NFL games to talk about. The Chiefs Ravens is the first game that we are going at. Line is at four over under 44 and a half at the sports book I'm looking at right now. There's still some three and a halfs out there. This number has been dancing a little bit. Um, it's It's gone up to four and a half, leaked out to that point. It's come back down. I think we're probably going to see it leak out even further um, at some point here because there are some issues for a Chiefs team entering this game. Ravens aren't without their flaws, but... Let's talk about, I think, the most dynamic matchup right now. Chiefs offense versus the Ravens defense. And, and this is going to be a, a tough matchup, I think, for the Chiefs. One thing that I, I just want to sidetrack us here real quick that I'm not a fan of that's going on right now in the media. This whole idea, this whole conversation between Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady and, and basically crowning Patrick Mahomes the GOAT already. He ain't the GOAT already. Let's just let's stop that nonsense. He's on the trajectory to be there, but he's not there yet. He is by far the best player currently playing the quarterback position in the world without question. But the part that I really don't like about that conversation is we, I've always seen it framed as Patrick Mahomes, but you had versus Tom Brady, but he had Bill Belichick as if Andy Reed somehow chopped liver here, as if Andy Reed isn't a big part of Patrick Mahomes success. I'm not saying that Patrick Mahomes isn't wildly talented, but there's a reason he sat his first year in the league. There's a reason that Andy Reed helped bring him into the fold here and helped develop him here into the player he is. Andy Reid is one of the best NFL coaches in the world. He is one of the best of all time. He'll be a Hall of Famer. Before he got to Super Bowl in Kansas City, he was already revered as one of the best NFL coaches. He just needed that Super Bowl. And similar to Belichick, who just needed his Super Bowl to really project himself into that next upper echelons of head coaches, he needed Brady. Andy Reid needed Patrick Mahomes. They're They're a duo the same. Like Tom Brady went eventually and won a Super Bowl with another coach. We'll see what Patrick Mahomes eventually does when Andy Reid does move on. But I do not like, like put some respect on Andy, Andy Reid's name. Like he never gets brought up in these conversations. It's as if Patrick Mahomes is just doing it by himself and he doesn't have one of the most innovative offensive minds in the history of the NFL. Like just put some respect on Andy Reid's name. And Patrick Mahomes is fantastic. Let's not get it twisted. I think at this current trajectory, he will surpass Tom Brady, but he's not there yet. And let's just enjoy the ride right now. He's got his hands full with this Ravens defense, though, because right now the Chiefs are running a three-man weave with Pacheco, Rice, and Travis. That's about it. Every once in a while, they check out MVS and see if he's going to show up to the game or not. But, like, he's not really part of the equation game in a game out. You're not getting consistency from him. So it's a three-man weave offensively. In this game, I think you're going to have to get Pacheco fired up in. There's a weakness here in the Ravens. And in that weakness, if you can attack it well, is sort of those inside runs because they play with a light box defensively. They really rely on Roquan Smith, my bad, folks, um, to be that run stopper so that they can kind of implement a no-fly zone from a passing game. And you're going to have probably Kyle Hamilton kind of erasing Kelsey. Not to say Kelsey won't be a part of this game, but his impact, I think, will absolutely be limited by the absolute freak that is Kyle Hamilton and this entire Ravens secondary. Like, this is a vaunted defense. This is a phenomenal defense. 
it is going to be really hard. Like the Chiefs are really going to have to come to play here. And I know people are just gushing over their latest performances. The defenses they have faced cannot hold even the water of the Ravens right now. And so there are certainly weaknesses here. You can certainly take advantage of it. But I think it is going to require success on the ground. Like you're going to have to get that fired up so you can play off some play action because we've shown that the Ravens are a little susceptible to that. They are a little aggressive. They play physical and cocky football and they take risks. And because they are so talented and so good, they come up on the other side of those risks a lot. But they play very downhill and you can catch them a second off there with some play action. They We've seen that be susceptible. And you don't necessarily have to get the running game fired up to have play action be successful, but because they play with light boxes, getting being successful might requ- might require the Ravens to make an adjustment and load the box up a little bit more, which then just helps that passing game that is lacking weapons right now. And you're going to put it in Patrick Mahomes' hands, and he's going to have to be an absolute freak here, I think, in this game. But it's going to be a really tall task. And losing Tooney at this point is... I'm not saying it's fatal, but it is certainly going to hurt because he is world class. I mean, he is. there's an argument that he's the best at his position. He is one of the best for sure. That's a world-class guard. Losing him is is certainly an issue here. We'll see how they minimize that. You can be a little physical with this Ravens team. You can match their physicality and their aggressiveness with some heavy sets. Andy Reid's going to have a great game plan. They've sort of shoved, I think, Matt Nagy to the side at this point because the offense has looked these different towards the later part of the season. It's much quicker. They're allowing Patrick Mahomes to really make the read at the line and change things. It looks like, like it very much looks like they're kind of shoving Matt Nagy out of the picture, which is great because um, he's had some, he's had his fingerprints on this this offense a little bit this season from a game calling standpoint. Um, but Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes seem to have taken back the reins on that. And that's why I think we have seen some more positive uh, progression uh, on the Chiefs part. You flip the side of the ball. This is a tough matchup. I, I really like the Chiefs defense. I've been talking about it for years. If you've been a longtime listener, you, you've probably been able to track the progression of the Chiefs defense pretty well. We've been pretty ahead of the, the curve, I think, on that one. Spags is fantastic, but the the reason I've been a big fan of that defense is because because their offense is so lethal most seasons. They they were forced to design a defense to play with a lead and to protect that lead, and that helped with an ever evolving NFL that's becoming more and more pass happy. And so they have fantastic young secondary. They are really good on the edges. The problem though is if you are a physical power run team, especially inside, you can get them. Like Chris Jones is fantastic, but he's a much he's much better from, from a pass defense standpoint than a run defense standpoint. And so this is the issue because the Ravens, they can man up on you. They can still be physical. And you have Todd Munkins, who I said in the preseason was going to be the secret weapon that they needed. Him and drafting Zay Flowers was the French kiss that this offense needed to really maximize its potential and that has been clearly evident by this season and the season this offense has had and once Zay Flowers fully got integrated into this offense once Lamar and Todd seem to be on the same page and really working as one this has been a fantastic offense like they really can do everything the problem here for them is you're going up against a world-class elite corner in Snead 
I assume that because Spags is a, a terrific defensive coordinator, he is going to identify Sneed's our best. Let's eliminate Zay Flowers. We got to have OBJ or likely or somebody else beat us here. Somebody else has got to be making plays. The concern is, I think, likely. I don't think Mark Andrews is going to be much of a, a, a force here. Maybe if they get to the Super Bowl, that, that could be something. But I don't really think, like, how healthy can he be at this point, even if he plays? I don't think he's going to be a huge factor, but likely is very athletic. Chiefs have some trouble guarding tight ends. I think that's going to be a big part of, of the equation here. I don't hate a potential under in this game, but at the end of the day... I've got Ravens. Like I make this number about five, I think for the Ravens, like right around there. So I think, you know, at four, if you want to tease the chiefs up, I don't hate that, but until the chiefs, until this leaks out to maybe five, maybe four and a half, I guess. But like, I I, I do think this is the Raven show. Like, I do think they're going to the Super Bowl. This team is so lethal and so good and so well-rounded. Um, it's just, yeah, I, I've got the Ravens. Like three and a half, four right now is where this is recording. Even at four and a half, I, I still like them. Like I put this game at lowest five for the for the Chiefs. So like, if this thing starts to get to six, then like eat that up. But I don't think it's getting there. I think it's probably leaking out to four and a half, maybe five. Um, but I like the Ravens at at three and a half, four. Lions 49ers lines at seven and a half, over under fifty one and a half. The over and the spread have been doing a little dancing as well. And a lot of that is around the implications of Debo, um, which we'll talk about. But I, I just want to take a second to spend some time on the Lions here because I feel bad. You know, Lions fans that listen into this, I've sort of been down on your team. And I think for good reason. There are a lot of holes on this team. But the ride that they have been on has been absolutely fantastic. To see the Lions get those two home games and to put on a show for their fans and for that building to be going the way it is, to be in the NFC Championship game for the first time in, what, 55 years or something like that, is absolutely awesome. To see Dan Campbell, just an all-time guy that you want to be rooting for, to actually have success here. like He was the last stand for that like rah-rah football guy in a new age of analytics and innovative offenses. Like he's a reminder that being a head coach while yes, being able to, to call an efficient offense or defense is certainly a plus at the end of the day. It's about leading men. It's about leading an organization. It's about the details and motivation and, and building a culture and identity too, at the end of the day. And that's what they've done. Like they built a hard nosed football team here. They have drafted players that are bought into their culture and fit it to a T. Like this is a this is a lot of fun. Like I'm very excited for them to be in this spot. And I'm glad my Bucks are not. Because while I would have loved to win that game, I did not see any paths to success against the 49ers. At least the Lions have some paths to success in this game. It's going to be an uphill battle for sure. But you have some some opportunities here. And that opportunity relies in the run game because Gibbs has been fantastic. And I think the problem is due to the defense, and we'll talk about that with the 49ers, you're in threat of being in a situation where you're going to have to put the game on, on Goff's hands. And that's why I don't have a ton of confidence in the Lions here, um, especially at this number. We'll get to that in a second. But that could be an issue. But if you can utilize Gibbs, get that ground game fired up, playoff play action, allow Jared Goff to take some shots here and there. That's a path to success for you. 
The problem is, is if you have to get into a shootout, Goff's sort of crutch or the thing he loves to do the most is attack the short to intermediary, middle of the field type of stuff. You got Fred Warder and Greenlaw right there. You don't want to be throwing that. Like, you don't want that to be your quarterback's natural tendencies. You've got playmakers, though. So the other problem there, too, is you don't have a really great blocking tight end option at this point due to some injuries. And you could be potentially facing in third third and long known passing downs, and that is not going to be good um, against this 49ers d- defensive front. And you're getting your center back, but you're down your guard. Um, so that's a problem. But if you can get the ground game fired up, you can get Gibbs fired up. Ben Johnson is a very good coordinator. I think there should be a little concern, the fact that his tension isn't fully on this game because he's taking interviews, so it, it can't fully be on this game. That's a tough spot. You flip the ball, and this is the area that's really concerning because how does the Lions' defense get stops? The Lions' passing defense is a broken flood dam. Like, everything's getting through. There's they don't have a pulse. They can't stop a nosebleed. They can't tie their shoes together at this point, right, folks? Okay, like the basics are breaking down in that passing game. And you've got a team that very much trusts its quarterback. Like this is a man, even though he was struggling last week, far exceeded his average pass attempts for this season. It was his highest pass attempt game of the season. They have been extremely aggressive in the back end of this season on early downs throwing the ball. Kyle Shanahan trusts him more than he trusts Jimmy Garoppolo, and he trusts him a lot. And not to say, like, Cam Newton was right, folks. A lot of people own Cam Newton an apology. Brock Purdy is a game manager, not a game changer category. But you can win with game managers, especially in a system like this. I think the fear, though, is the Debo side of this thing. Debo's probably going to go, but at, at what like, how healthy is he going to be? Is he going to be more of a decoy, which actually works in their favor? Because if he can't go, then you're probably rolling Sutton on a Jigba. Because if he can't go, then you're probably running Sutton on Brandon Ayuk, which is going to be be harmful there. But then you got Kittle, and, and the Lions have not done a good job of guarding against tight ends. Um, you need Debo here. And that's, like, if you're a prop guy, Debo playing is going to be huge. Because if Debo plays, then you've got a chance there to play a Kittle, potentially, receptions over. You've got an opportunity, I think, to play some big play opportunities for Brandon Ayuk um, because the attention is going to be deep. Like, Debo is so integral to this offense. But even if they're running him as a decoy, you still have to respect that. And that's going to help the Kittle and Brandon Ayuk opportunities. McCaffrey's going to be be solid, but this Lions defense has been very good against the run. Sorry, I had to take a drink there. It's tough podcasting by yourself. Um, so that's an area of concern. So I do the, the way I see this. Michael and I are split. He's got Lions at plus seven and a half. At plus seven and a half, I, I do. I think the Lions could potentially be a play here, but I'm I'm going 49ers. Um, and I'm going Ravens. We we both agree on Ravens. Even at four, four and a half, we're, we're both on Ravens there. Um, I think another another really key thing to look at, I'm trying to look it up right now. Um, 
Sorry, I'm trying to see what the rushing attempts for Lamar Jackson are right now. I think that's a prop to watch because with Willie Gay's injury status, like how long is he potentially going to play? What health is what health that like they rely on him so much to stop Lamar. Like I don't love doing a Lamar like rushing yardage prop, but his attempts that's definitely something to play. Um I think and if where is yeah, he's at 10 and a half right now. Let's see what the news is. Um, on gay, see if he's he's gonna play. Willie Gay. Um, if he's a no-go, oof, at 10 and a half. I think that's a fair. I still think that's a fair play right now, even if if Willie Gay does go. Um, Lamar Jackson over 10 and a half uh rushing attempts. I like that. I think that's that's a good number right now. Um, and if Willie Gay doesn't go, that's hitting. Um, if he does go, mm, yeah, it, it could be a little tough. But um, I, I still think he probably gets it because, like, you know, what's going to happen that first time? He's really got to he's got to really come up and make a play and hit somebody. Um, that's that's going to be a part of this equation for sure. But yeah, ten and a half, I like it. So Lamar Jackson over 10 and a half uh, rushing attempts. Ravens anywhere up to minus four and a half. Um, and then the 49ers. Michael is on uh, the Lions at plus seven and a half. Take that as you will. Between the two of us, it's a little bit of a, a battle. Um, hopefully we do well again this weekend. We're still sitting at about 54% for the season against the spread. College was obviously our, our moneymaker there this season. Um, the college podcasts, those off-season podcasts will be out um, after the, the NFL season ends. Take about a two-week break, and then we'll start rolling out the college uh, stuff. So hopefully stick around uh, for that. And as always, peace.